As you know, the On Farm podcast is brought to you by the team at Seen and Heard PR and Marketing. And I just wanted to remind you about a new initiative that's happening here called On Record. On Record is a project to preserve voices, stories and memories for the future with your very own audio recording. So we're recording memories of rural life. We're travelling around Scotland, working with families and organisations to capture precious voices of family members or staff members or long-serving office bearers to preserve those for posterity and sometimes for historical value. So if you think this project is something that you'd like to be involved in and maybe you have a grandparent or a parent that you'd like to capture on audio while you can, please do get in touch. You can find out more at onrecordmemories.co.uk. Welcome to On Farm. If you're listening to this at the very beginning of January when this episode is published, then a happy new year from all of us to all of you. It's Monty here for this episode of On Farm, the Food, Agriculture and Rural Matters podcast. And we're starting 2023 with a bang. We, for this episode, have got best-selling author, former SAS Who Dares Wins contestant and Cumbria farmer Hannah Jackson, also known as the Red Shepherdess. Along with Hannah, we've got her husband, Danny Gallagher, known to many from the social media world as Danny the Farrier. The couple have also got two pieces of exciting news to share. They've taken on, in their own name, their first actual whole farm very recently. We talk about that and how excited they're feeling, but also, and possibly even more exciting, after a series of miscarriages that they've bravely talked about publicly, and you'll hear a bit about that in the conversation I had, Hannah and Danny were proud to discuss and chat with me and announce their first baby is on the way. So that's lovely news. So in May, we are expecting our first little one, which is absolutely amazing. Yeah, I'm <laughs> so excited. It's been a hell of a year, hasn't it? Yeah. An emotional year, and it, it's not been an easy thing to get there. So it's been a hell of a year, hasn't it? Yeah, but yeah. weirdly it's brought us closer and made us stronger and stronger and stronger than ever. Massive thanks as we move into the new year and massive thanks always to Scottish law firm Gillespie McAndrew. Their continuing support allows us to make these episodes and I'm very grateful for their support. So anyway, let's get into the chat. Here come Hannah and Danny. Hi, I'm Hannah Jackson, also known as the Red Shepherdess. And I'm Danny Gallagher, also known as Danny the Farrier. Oh, we are husband and wife. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, great to have you on board. This is the On Farm podcast, On Farm being food, agriculture and rural matters. There you are. So it's 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 we're joining you at um, a time where you've just announced some big news, a new farm, is that right? Yeah, um, it's been a secret that we've been like holding for so long, mostly because as with anything in this life, like you just don't know if it's definitely 100% going to happen until it finally does. Um, but yeah, it's so nice to be able to share the news, but also yeah, to, to literally have the new kind of venture yeah, in the, the next big, bit of the journey. The step in it, basically. So tell us more about it. What is it? What's, what's happening? Yes, yeah, so obviously we are situated in Croglin, which is a tiny little village in Cumbria, and that's kind of where our base has always been at. We've got Brookside Farm, which is, it's a small like 30 acre holding, and then we've been renting previous to this, like four miles down the road, like another 60 acres. 
And then we were taking on wintering ground as well in the winter. So for a long time, we've really been looking for somewhere that we can get our hands hold of and just kind of like have that space for growth and to be able to develop a proper farm and business from there with a tiny bit more security than what mm-hmm. our like yearly let thing was doing. So yeah, it's literally in our village. It surrounds our house. It surrounds Brookside. Um, and it's 160 acres altogether. So yeah, it's super nice. It's yeah. a mixture of like nice lowland ground and then some higher rougher ground as well. Um, so ideal for sheep really and what we want to do. And uh yeah, we've got loads of exciting plans, haven't we? Yeah, loads. <laughs> <laughs> so rewind a bit then. This is you guys with your first proper farm. People may know you, I'm, I'm sure lots of our listeners know you from, from your social media, etc. But for those that don't, or just to rewind, where does this all come from? Yeah, so I mean, obviously I was, or well, well, not obviously to some people, I was born and raised on the Wirral and had a very kind of towny upbringing but always been called like Dr. Doolittle since I was tiny. So I was kind of like fixated and drawn to any animal apart from spiders um, before I could even like walk or talk. And I think I just had that kind of connection with animals to see that there was so much more behind the eyes than what some people probably do see. Um, so I always knew that a career with animals would be a thing, but I never, ever, ever knew it was farming ever. I worked my whole life up till about 18 to... Uh, be a marine biologist and study killer whales, went to Canada, lived in a tent with no electricity and no running water in the wilderness for six weeks and studied them out there, came home, saw a lamb born and that was like my light bulb moment. Um, It was like a beautiful day in the Lake District, it wasn't raining for the first time ever which is if you're from Cumbria or the lakes or you visit you know that it probably rains 90% of the time. Um, Yeah and I just watched this little lamb born and it was just lovely to see like just the natural instincts just kick in straight away, like the you and the lamb talking, um, she encouraging her up, and I don't normally struggle with words to say, but like I was completely <laughs> silenced in that moment, um, and yeah, that was it, so I cancelled my master's in, in marine biology, and then I ended up moving to Cumbria for a week initially with a sheepdog that I had, who was not a sheepdog, he was just yeah, a pet. <laughs> Yeah, I thought, yeah. oh, maybe like he would make something. He was five years old. He had never chased a sheep before in his life. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I ended up going to Derek Scrimminger, who is an international sheepdog trialer and a shepherd in Threlkel, which is like the North Lake District. And went meant to go for a week, stayed there for nine months and then never, ever left Cumbria after then. But you've done something quite impressive in the way that you've you've told that story all along and you've told you know you've you've shared that kind of discovery of of farming you've shared your ups and your downs with with a wide audience and from an outsider from an observer that has been if you like your sort of diversification it's i mean yeah. am i wrong is that is that what's led you to where you are now in terms of taking on a farm etc yeah i mean this was never ever in the plan the whole social media side of things the originally i took to social media because obviously i had no idea about farming at all i had never even stepped foot on a commercial farm till i got to cumbria so i had no idea what i was doing the last time i was on a farm i was like five in a little petting zoo thing feeding the bottle so really, I went on social media to learn as much as possible and soak things up, see how people were doing farming, not just in Cumbria, but around the country, around the world. Then it snowballed into what it is now. But that's what you um, do now, and you kind of like just show the public exactly what a farm is now kind of thing. Yeah, so I think I've been on both sides of that bridge now. I was that person that had no idea about the food, 
I had no idea the difference between like even hay and straw, which is embarrassing now when I sit in these shoes. But there's a lot of people out there that do. Well, yeah, difference. that's it. But Dan, Dan, you're right there. That's that's you raise a point. It's like being a bridge, and I suppose actually that's a very interesting way of putting it. Being on both sides of the fence, there's a lot of I don't know this farming life and what have you doing a brilliant job of farmers showing the real life farming to the public. But even at that, and I guess even on this podcast, we're probably rattling off jargon, we're probably chatting about things that the public maybe just don't particularly connect with. That's it. That's it. And like that's where the struggle really is, is that we don't really, sometimes as farmers, we're not very great at communicating what we do or why we do it. And like, I've got to the point now where we can discuss things on social media with, with a whole range of people with Everyone's different morals. Mind, they? Yeah, and people understand, and that is literally yeah. how you communicate. So I can literally talk about skin the lamb, and it's just it's relating it back to people's life. So I literally just say like, look, this looks gruesome, it looks horrible, but actually, what we're doing here is exactly the same as what we do when we oh, die and donate our organs. Yeah. Like this lamb is dead, and unfortunately, it's really sad. But that means that this lamb now has a chance to have a new mum. This mum has a chance to mother a lamb. And it's literally just donating its skin like we did it an organ. Do you know, what an interesting way of putting it. Because I would do that and I would I would shy away from, from putting that anywhere near, I mean, not that I'm much <laughs> of a social media, um, not not as a farmer, to be fair. I mean, we, we do a lot of social media around this podcast and professionally, etc. But as a farmer, there's, there's a, things that I just wouldn't put up there because for fear of being kind of shouted mm-hmm. down or whatever. But that's a very good way of putting it. And... And I guess that probably just takes that mindset of, well, I didn't yeah. know about this. What have I, how have yeah. I thought about this? How have I compu- com- computed that mm-hmm. in my head? Yeah, absolutely. It's just it's just becoming relatable for everybody. And don't get me wrong, like mm. some of those conversations we didn't really have at the beginning and it's taken me a lot of yeah. years to build Confidence that and trust, trust and everything with people. With yeah, so like people know that now when I do speak about these things, there is a really strong kind of value-led valued led reason behind why we do it and then it, it all just makes sense but yeah so I mean it takes a long time to build that kind of connection up with the audience and the followers that you have but I think once you get there it's the most rewarding thing because then you can talk about so open so openly about farming about life about death it's not a rose-tinted mm-hmm. version and people are really then on board for the whole journey with you and they can empathize like when we as farmers get so angry and annoyed about how hard farming is and about how alone we feel you've got that empathy there because people have witnessed you through the bad through the good through the bad weather through the awful trade etc but again that's interesting because you know you must face some barbs as well and i i see it just just a a scroll through twitter you know a farmer puts their head above the parapet on any any issue any subject and you've got what you would call keyboard warriors willing to, to shoot them down on mm-hmm. whatever it might be, rewilding, whatever, you know, it's 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 all out there. And I must say that, you know, to be confident as you seem to be or as you are to, to meet these issues head on, well done. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it has its times where people do challenge you. And, but again, it's how you address those situations. Some people aren't worth even no. getting into a conversation with because all they want to do is fight. And then some people are genuinely happy to sit back and listen to your values and understand that, yeah, you we may have different values, but I understand why you do that, even though they personally wouldn't. So, I mean, yeah, it's taking the time to judge the people in the situation. You don't always get it right, but um, 
Yeah, I always think it pays off in the end. So, Dan, tell me a wee bit more about what you do and where you've come from in this journey. Yeah, so I basically grew up in Bolton and then I did an apprenticeship as a farrier up in Cumbria and then ever since I've stayed up in Cumbria. And I've been a qualified farrier now for seven years, basically shooing all the horses around Cumbria for three good race yards and just basically enjoying shooing horses. <laughs> <laughs> and then obviously I met Hannah at one of the CrossFit gyms here four years ago, five years ago now. I think we should tell the story about how you actually ended up being a farrier. And which one's that? Christmas Day. Oh, yeah. So, like, yeah, everyone laughs about that. So, when I was a kid, I wanted a motorbike for Christmas. And I looked in all the outbuildings at home to find this motorbike when I was 11 year old. And then it wasn't there. And I was the stroppy little kid upset on Christmas Day that I didn't get what I wanted for Christmas. And then about dinner time, my brother said, let's go play football outside. And I was like, I'm not playing football. I didn't get what I wanted for Christmas. Why should I go play football? <laughs> And then when I when I when I went outside to the garden, there was a pony on the on the yard, and that was it. That was my Christmas present. And looking back now, if I didn't get that as a kid, I wouldn't be a fairy today, and it would have took me a different way in life. Do you know what? Pony would be far more. What's the word I'm looking for? Valuable a present. Like looking oh, back, that's much more massively. valuable present than a motorbike. And probably still just as adventurous and dangerous yeah, yeah, yeah. as a motorbike no, at I times. Had some good times <laughs> riding horses all my life. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure, and. So, so you've also then built a, a sort of social media following for what you do too in the farrier side of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah I have to be fair. And the same again, you, you just go on there basically showing your day-to-day -day life. It's like, it's one of them, it's like, it is a way of life basically being a farrier in the countryside. And same again, you've got your days ups and your downs and people see that. And it's just a, it's just showing the public what a farrier actually is because same again, we're in Cumbria. And uh, schools come up and have like outward bound days and stuff. And I remember being in a farmyard a couple of years ago and there was a school from Birmingham and like the kids were there and the teacher said, oh, can the kids watch you shoot this horse? And I said, yeah, not a problem because I obviously want to teach them. Yeah. And I was shooting this horse. I said, I'm going to put shoes on it. And one of the kids looked down at his trainers and thought I was actually going to put trainers on the horse because <laughs> that's what he thought. <laughs> and, well, um, would a racehorse would probably wear what the best trainers and yeah, exactly. Nike's yeah. we call them. Yeah, <laughs> the good thing about like Dan's Instagram as well, which is like probably a bit different to mine. Like Dan is such like a country man through and through. So he like as well as farriering, he does a lot of ferreting. Yeah. He does a lot of and that, and that same again. That was a, that was one of them things what blew my mind. So like that's controversial in a way. Same as like it's it's all natural as in like the dog, oh, the rabbits, the ferrets. ferreting. Yeah, ferreting. Yeah, okay. And like, I put the videos on last winter type thing of obviously showing what I do, how I do it, and this is what happens and what happens at the end. And why we do why it. Why we do it, basically. Because up here, it's overrun with rabbits. And obviously, eight rabbits eats the same as one sheep. Mm -hmm. So you have to control them. And that's probably the easiest way of controlling them up on a hill. And like, the amount of people that were just so thankful for putting it on and showing it the correct way and why you do it and what you do it for. It was like, it's up, it's not... Thing in it, when yeah, you well, that's it, it yeah. isn't it? And like, again, like, it's one of those things that you we we ummed and ahed, like, do we show it, do we not show it? And I was there like, there was not one backlash from it, no, there wasn't. Okay. And people were just interested and they were like, oh, I didn't, I never really thought about rabbits having to be controlled. And obviously, we talked about how like we have a lot of like mixy within the rabbits yeah, of the, yeah. in this population, so again, like, even how controlling the population limits that disease from spreading so much. and yeah, people and like farmers will come up to us and go, Oh, you were brave putting that online there and I was like, But what it's that's what we do every day, like and this is why we do it and like to be able to have these conversations with people mm. and then it changed their mind a little bit and give them a better perspective. It just 
it's rewarding and it, it gives you faith that you're going to keep the country yeah, going. side alive. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you guys, you know, do you feel it's because you're more, people are more, you're more relatable. People can more relate to you than than the sort of crusty image of the old farmer. You know, oh, we've done it this way. We always do it that way. You know, it's 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 just the red hair and the the sort of youthful look and the whatever, you've, uh-huh. you've, you know. Oh, I mean, that was super kind of you then. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it is nice to kind of definitely break that stereotype out the door that farmers aren't grumpy old men with checkered shirts and beards. That like, actually, it's a whole array of people. <laughs> But yeah, maybe that makes more relatable. I think probably because I started, the, I think the most relatable thing really is the fact that I started the social media from the beginning and so many people from the beginning are still with me yeah, now. Yeah. So they, they've seen the transition yeah. and yeah. They, they've seen me have to learn and they've seen me fail and they've seen me win and they've seen everything else in between. Can I ask, is this, is this a way in? Is this a way into farming? Was it intentional for you did you think, you know, if I set out on this path and, and kind of build build myself into a sort of brand, if you like, that I can capitalise on, that's going to be my in to farming? I mean, it was never in my plan at, at all. Um, I just literally wanted to come and farm. Um, but yeah, then I think, I think the realisation of probably what a lot of people realise is as you get into farming, there is not a lot of money in it and it's super hard to do. And especially if you want to start establishing yourself with a flock and with a farm. When I was contract shepherding, it wasn't really too bad. Um, I guess I kind of started just at the beginning to kind of be able to document it for myself, to look back on, like almost like a visual diary. But yeah, then then kind of opportunities opened up to do kind of, it started with talks, it started with school visits, and then it opened up to more and more kind of brand work. And the Red Shepherdess name was kind of brought. And then my uncle's a graphic designer and he brought the kind of brand to life for me visually. I guess now... We're at a point really now where like I can't do one without the other. So the social media side of things and the brand side of things supports the farm. But without the farm, then the social media side of things wouldn't happen. So it's like this very delicate balance (laughs) of the two that I need both in order to both to survive, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, it's it's I, I get you. It's 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 your diversification in a way, isn't it? Really? It's yeah, you know, absolutely. it's what's gonna keep the wheels turning. It's a yeah. it's a tricky one. Like sometimes people get annoyed when you're doing like advertisements or you're working with companies, but um That's funding for the farm firm to see the content. Yeah, and um, I think pe- people don't see the behind the scenes of how many you actually turn down and the, all the brands that don't align with our values and our morals that we say absolutely not to. So it's it's one of those funny things that I guess it's probably my next thing to educate people on a little bit is that these ads or these this work that I do with brands is genuine and it actually takes up a lot of time to do it. I, and I, I don't just <laughs> jump on a camera and go like, Hi, this is this, I love this, I love that, or whatever. Like it's hours of and day work. and days yeah, yeah. <laughs> of communicating no, and doing I, it. I, I get that. I, I mean I get that. I think a you know, as a as a PR and marketing company, one of the things that we always say is we'll only work with businesses that we can feel something for, that we can feel a bit of passion for. Yeah. Because I'm not going to be telling the story or trying to promote something that I just think no, you know, yeah. I, I've got no interest in. And it's the same on this podcast. You know, if if it's not something that I, that I want to talk about, then why would I believe that our listeners want to hear it? Basically? Exactly. Yeah. That's it. It's yeah. exactly the same. But yeah, no, we definitely need both for both to work. <laughs>
there's been another by the time this we publish this, you you you've you've announced um another kind of major piece of news, um you as a couple, haven't you? The best news. The best yeah, news. Yeah, this has been it is the best news. When we announced the farm, we said the farm is the biggest announcement yet, but this is the biggest and the, the most important one yet, isn't it? <laughs> Are you gonna say what it is? No, you yeah, can you can say We're gonna argue now for who's gonna say it. Go on. Uh, so yeah, so in May we are expecting our first little one, which is absolutely amazing. Yeah, I'm so <laughs> excited. Yeah. It's been a hell of a year, hasn't it? Yeah. An emotional year and it, it's not been an easy thing to get there. We've had four, three losses previous to this one. Um, one being far, further yeah. on at nine weeks, the other two being early. But So it's been a hell of a year, hasn't it? Um, but weirdly, yeah. yeah, but yeah. weirdly, it's brought us closer and made us stronger and stronger and stronger than ever. And like, it's made me like so appreciate. I've always loved Dan's pieces, and I've always mm. like he's always been like my soulmate and my one. But like, Dan's been like the rock through this. Like, there's been many a time when I have not wanted to get out of bed through the year, and I've been unmotivated to farm. And Dan's been the one going, "Come on, let's go, let's go do this. Let's check the sheep. You'll feel better when you go outside." And I'm like, "Yeah, okay." And now here we it's are, out now, the, yeah. And now we're at the other side of it, and now we can. We're at a very safe, as well as safer point you can get in the yeah. pregnancy, and it's good. It's exciting. It's Christmas Day, we're twenty weeks, and we're twenty. We're yeah, we're halfway through at twenty weeks. That's brilliant, guys! Congratulations, and and just you know, I mean, we're talking about farming and 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 being open and warts and all, but how brave of you to talk about you know the miscarriages and the losses as well. Yeah. Take my heart off to you for oh, that. Oh, thank you. Well, that, that I, was, sorry, I was going to say that. Like that was one of them things where, like, it was for Hannah in a way. Like, obviously, no one, from from my point of view, it's been a big learning curve this year because us blokes, blokes don't really talk about it either. And um, it was one of the things where Hannah, Hannah wanted to say to her, her followers and all the rest, yeah. just to, just a bit of comfort. Not not because she wanted people to feel sorry for, her, but just to explain her journey. Like she's done everything else, and she said to me, "Didn't you? Do you mind if I post?" I said, "No, absolutely not. You, if you need to post it, then you post away." Yeah, and honestly, <clears throat> I think it was probably one of the best decisions that I ever yeah. made because it really helped with the healing process mm. to talk about it. And actually, like it, it made me so sad to understand how common it is because it, again, common. when you go yeah. through it, you feel like you're the yeah. only person in the world. Yeah, and then you open up the conversation, and my goodness, like nearly everyone that you know is somehow connected to someone yeah. who's gone through a loss or at any point for a pregnancy or after and um yeah it was just amazing to kind of to kind of go go through that and and like understand people's journeys and, and just open the conversation like I find it so bizarre that like we so openly talk about losing family members that are present and with us and we so openly talk about things like cancer or, or other kind of diseases or illnesses but when it comes to pregnancy or miscarriage or baby loss like we as a society we, we don't know how to handle it or no. what to do what to say because we've been told that we should always keep quiet about these things yeah. and which is wrong yeah. as well and then yeah. at the same time again for me like from from the, the male perspective like everyone's in, in a relationship with the other half and stuff and it is very hard for the for the male as well because obviously you see yeah. your, your partner's distressed and heartbroken the same as you are but you've got to be strong for yourself and also for your other half and get through the next day, so I think. So even for me, I had so many people, the, the lads, like the males, blokes, whatever, they were coming to me and like saying, oh, thanks so much for Hannah doing it because it's made me talk to my partner again and just made it all easier because everyone was too scared to speak about it. Yeah, well, it opens yeah. up not just your conversations, but it opens up with yeah. a lot of conversations for a lot of people. So, yeah, I mean, I'm very glad that we did it. Mm. That is so important because, you know, we, we've... 
we've covered um, mental health issues, we've covered suicide on this podcast. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that keeps coming out time and time again is it's important to talk and how people, hopefully listening to this, people hearing your messages, if it helps them to open up and talk about it, not bottle things up, Mm -hmm. not, I don't know, beat themselves up even about things Mm -hmm. like the loss, whatever it might be. It's all to the good. And again, I take my hat off to you. And just to have to have been through it three times, though, is, you know. Yeah, yeah. no, it was epic. That is crap, man. <laughs> we were, is. I would say, I was going to say we were lucky. We were, lucky isn't the word. We were, the two of them were early on. So, I mean, it, in a way, in my farmer mentality, I could always yeah. get get my head around it. Um, because it was they were early on, but it was when we were it was the nine weeks one. We called them, mm. we nicknamed the popsicle, didn't we? Um, so we always referred to them as popsicle, and that was the one that was just the real hardest. And it was never even after we found out that um, we were going to lose them, he, she. Um, yeah. It was just wasn't easy from there. So we went back, and then after we thought we'd lost it and the com- process was complete. Then they were like, actually, like your body's still holding on to it, and you've got an incomplete miscarriage. Then we had to go in for an operation while I was awake to get everything out, and it was probably the most traumatic thing. And it's still like it made it's traumatic for me to even think about yeah. it now. But you wish basically you were swapping places. Yeah, yeah, I get you. But no, like it, and here we are now, though, and we've yeah. got the. Yeah. We were, and to tell you what, hats off to the NHS because they've been so amazing yeah, been and looked amazing, after us yeah. so well. Like from when we got this first positive with the with the pregnancy now, they scanned us like every two weeks up until 12 and then they've looked after us since then. So, I mean, it's been as hard as it was for those first like 12 weeks and that horrible weight of, is it going to go raw way, is it not? They, yeah, they looked after us as best they could, made it as nice as possible. So, yeah. Now we can finally enjoy it a bit more, can't yeah, we? Yeah, now you can you can be a bit more relaxed, you can shout about it more, you can share yeah. the news, it's brilliant. And, and you know, just again, I must say that, hats off to you guys for, for talking about it and, oh, you know, being you. so open, but but congratulations. Thank you. Know, you. Yeah, I know, good. we're very it's excited. Good. So when when is baby due? At May, which right. is slightly awkward timing, isn't it? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm quite... Yeah. And I'm like, I'm devastated because obviously it's the new farm. We're yeah, lambing yeah. there for the first time. There's a whole new setup. We're lambing the most sheep we've lambed before. And I'm just going to have to be on the sideline like a whale. <laughs> <laughs> like talking to Dan going, can you feel this? Can you do that? Can you pull that there? <laughs> Thank goodness, Dan's got a few lambs under his belt now, so it's good. <laughs> have you, you, yeah, you've you've done a bit. Haven't yeah, you done? yeah. It's not, but yeah, like yeah. Hannah, Hannah's the one. It, it sounds mad in a way, but this is why I love it, especially around lambing time. Like everybody up here knows, if a farmer can't get a lamb out, you ring Hannah up and say, "Can you come and try this?" And I've not seen a miss yet type thing. Really. Let, let's yeah. see those hands, Hannah. Are they, are they small just, hands? They're just like, compared to Dan's massive <laughs> hands. <laughs> So listeners can't see that, but just to put that in perspective, I think Dan's are double the size. Basically. It's basically yeah. like a shovel, and any time Dan has to go in, I feel a tiny little bit sorry for the sheep, and I'm just like breathing. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, there is a. I do love lambing time. It's my literally it's my favourite time of year. It's what started my whole farming journey, and like normally I lamb from like January through to May from like different mm-hmm. farms from the south all the way right. up. So this is like a 
this year is going to be weird for you. And that, yeah, and like normally I'm allowing ten thousand plus sheep a year. Do you know what I mean? Is that right? So just yeah. just just tell us about that then. So you're so you're not just thinking about your own. Normally you'd be away in January and. Yeah, so normally I start in January, norm, end of January, I normally go down to Hereford on a estate down there that I've been going to for four years, yeah, four five. or five years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I go there and then we do ours and then I do my neighbours and then sometimes I throw another one at the end depending on how much is left. But yeah, I'm like normally around lamb and sheep from literally January all the way through lambing season. So this year I'm going to be like, abs- I need to find something to fill some time because I'm going to be going crazy. <laughs> paperwork is not gonna cut it <laughs> and what's what have you got then what's what's your um what are your sheep and what's what what are you lambing this year so we have uh, just short of 400 used lambing this year including hogs the main basis of the flock is the north and the mule and then we have a, actually i've got a bit of an array of tups on this year haven't we mm. we kind of put them in separate tupping groups we've got obviously the tech hogs I mean, in my opinion, you can never go wrong on yeah. Texel for a nice, yeah, yeah. good lamb for uh, auction in the market. Then we have a Suffolk, a New Zealand Suffolk, which I really do like. He's a nice lad, isn't he? Yeah. Massive. And then we have a couple of Innovis primaries into the mix for hogs. Mm-hmm. They um, do really well. Right. Yeah, we we have tested with a few different Innovis tops over the years, haven't we? Mm. Like the Abamax and well, we had the Abatex as well, didn't we, at one point? Mm-hmm. And then we obviously said the Primera. Um, the Primera is the one that's for us is stuck for what we want. Um, they make, they pop really easy on lambing. The, on the hogs, out. it's unbelievable. Like, they, they, they literally don't yeah. have to go in the field. They just fire them out and then they're up in minutes and then they've looked after themselves and they quickly grow. Yeah, them, they've got, um, they're, they're amazing. Amazing lamines. They've, yeah, they want to live. They do well. They're up and suckling. They lamb outside. I think we touched two out of mm. like 48 last mm. year of them. On the hogs? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. um, which makes a massive difference, really. When you fight yeah. Yeah. yeah, only thing I would say that's bad about them is that they don't produce a very uniform lamb with all the different breeds in them. You get a very kind yeah. of like tough, tufty <laughs> lamb, motley lamb, all sorts of different. You would never be able to pick what breed it was. Oh. Um, so it's not really ideal for like a live market. It's more no, like no. for a you dead hang weight. Those lambs up. Yeah, yeah. All right. yeah. and we sell yeah. direct to the public as well on the farm. So okay. they're also great for that. So yeah. Okay. Ah, there you are. We can have a wee plug for that if you want. What's, oh uh, yeah. So- yeah. Well, I don't think we have. A, well, we have a few left last year, don't we? But yeah, we uh, sell our own lamb, guys. Feel free if you want to buy any. Just, just red shepherd us on Instagram or Facebook, and you'll find some kind of information somewhere. <laughs> so you've got four hundred to lamb, um, and that's going to be on the new farm. Um, what else is happening? What's what are the plans with the new new farm, basically? Yeah. So so basically, like I'm a farrier, and obviously the farmer now as well. But mm. I also like training college. Yeah, guys, wait. For a second there, does that feel cool? I mean, is this the first time, you know, you've been shepherding, you've been kind of renting, grazing and what have you. Is this -hmm. this the first time that you feel like you can properly call yourselves farmers? Well, we walk onto that, like walk into the yard, like on the bikes with the dogs and you just have like an an even bigger smile on your face for what we do. It feels like you've made it to be fair. Every single time you go through that gate, like I've not seen Anna smile in a long, like, she just smiles all the time at me, obviously. Time. But, like, <laughs> you know, like a day to day, you literally smile and you beaming basically because you, you, yeah. you she's from being in the world starting off to where we are now. She never thought we were going to get there, and we have. But so. like this podcast is so exciting. Like this is the first podcast we've done together as like two people farming together. Normally, it's just yeah, yeah. like me mm. talking and like me chatting away. So this like it also <laughs> is a nice. Like an awesome like milestone to tick off, like boom, yeah. yeah like we are doing this together now. Still doing farming on the side, still yeah, yeah. doing all our other millions of things on the side. But 
this is a big jump that we're taking together and that's bloody exciting. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so we've got the, the sheep obviously on the farm, but also I like, well, Hannah likes collies as pups and then I like bringing mm-hmm. them on. Mm-hmm. And then we so on, how do you explain what we already do on the, on the farm? Oh, so like another another diversification that we run on the farm at we the minute. We do a lot of diversification. We'd have a lot of projects, but um, this one it's called Natural Leaders, and it's basically a leadership development program okay. where we take teams from all different kinds of uh, work and environments and industries, and we put them in a ring with a sheep and a dog, and we teach them how to work the sheep dog, and relate that all the way back to body language communication, how you have to adapt your leadership styles. We put them in with different dogs and like it sounds mental and it sounds insane, but it works so well. And something clicks in the head when they do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like yeah, yeah. what I say is amazing about dogs, which is not so great about humans, is like dogs don't mask how they feel. Like whereas we are so good at putting like a bit of a front on, a bit of a face on, but how you make that dog feel when you work is portrayed out right in front of you there and then. Yeah. So Yep, like we had okay. this one guy yep. in the ring once and he, I put my dog Fraser in. He's quite a sensitive dog and I was like, right, here's your commands, blah, blah, blah. We go through all that. He got in there. He didn't use like any command. He was like, no, stop, no, lie down, no, no, that way, that way. And then my dog just looked at him, jumped out of the ring, out of the gate and went and got <laughs> in the kennel. It doesn't even live in a kennel. He lives in a house. <laughs> so, I mean... But then he realised then straight away looking at his team, he's like, that's how I don't get any work done at work because I shout at you lot and you don't like me for that kind of thing. Uh, right. Yeah, there's like a lot of indoor yeah, yeah. indoor yeah. work that goes alongside yeah. it too. But, but it clicked um, in his head with his family yeah. and everything. He realised that he, yeah. his, his tone of voice was just completely wrong for the, right. the world, basically. Yeah, so we do a lot of that anyway. But um, And Dan is coming to onto that side of things and absolutely loves it and thrives in it. So you want to do a lot more yeah. shoot dog things, don't so, you? So, so basically, just on the back of that, obviously that goes onto the social media platforms as well when we have these days. And from that, there's been so many people from like... the Normal, just normal, yeah, normal. people that want to just have a go at they learning. just want to come and, come and look a shoot yeah. dog for the day. Yeah. So they're more yeah. than welcome to come up and we'll, we'll get some days on for that where we're getting the public. We want to try and like... We want the farm to be accessible yeah, for everybody. For to, everybody yeah. to have a go at stuff. Like yeah. obviously they can walk away from it. Oh yeah, but we wanted to instead of like people just being able to see our farm and life virtually, we would love it to be able to for them to physically be able to be part of it in some way. So and educate the public uh, edu- that way. As yeah, well. so whether that is sheepdog days, we've got some alpacas to do our packer walks right up the fells. We've got like we'll do some lambing days once baby's been. Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's really just. As well as it being a good working farm, I also really want it to be a place where people can come and learn and understand where the food comes from, get their hands on like a sheep's wool and feel what wool and feels it, like. Yeah. And, like yeah. and I guess it sounds weird and crazy and stupid, but that is how disconnected we are. Yeah. Like, yes. And it, and, yeah. it, and it, showed it showed it massively. So, again, another diversification. We had our first pumpkin patch this, this October. Just All now. right. That was so good. I was loved on, it. Yeah, so it, it took, was it an acre and a half, wasn't it? Yeah. An acre and a half and we grew the pumpkins and like there was a hell of a lot of pumpkins. It's but hard the, work. Oh, it's hard work doing pumpkins. Yeah, yeah it was hard. hard. Especially up in yeah. Cumbria. I think we were really Aye. lucky yeah. to be fair. And, uh, no, we did really, really well. Our first year doing it, but the families that came, it was just, it was nice to see they, these pumpkins were growing on the ground, so obviously the kids had to pull them out, out so they had the soil on them, they had the leaves still on, they were everything them was off the completely, store, yeah. yeah. And you could hear the kids going, oh, it's dirty and all this, and they were laughing and giggling and all the rest of it. And they, that's where your pumpkins come from, they come from the ground, they don't come from a yeah. supermarket where yeah, you yeah. pull them out of a box. Yeah. yeah. And like the families were so 
They just were made like, up with the, the whole experience like, for the kids because the kids were learning it on the spot of, and they were yeah. just taking it all in like a sponge. Basically. For some of them, the best thing there was like the fact that the tractor had got stuck one day. We weren't. Yeah. Dan got the track. <laughs> Dan got the tractor stuck, guys. <laughs> um, but it made this like really muddy patch, and oh my word, the kids must have all spent so long just falling over in it and getting dirty. And I was like, this is it. Like this is what kids should be able to be exposed yeah, yeah, to yeah. all the time. And yeah. So that, that's the really big priority for the farmers to as a well as it being a functioning good commercial farm also make sure that we're hitting some of them things that we're really passionate about which is connecting people back with the food it is and then like and then hopefully then if they see a farmer stressed they can understand and see oh he's stressed because his sheep have got through a fence or something like because there's so many people in the, like coming to the countryside now to walk and stuff and like yeah they see an angry farmer but there'll be a reason for it and if they've seen it or seen a an image before they can understand oh he's having a bad day because mm-hmm. his tractor's stuck so we'll we'll stay away from that field there is reasons for it but if they don't understand them they're never gonna yeah learn type thing and we hope it like benefit and that's it we hope it benefits a lot of farmers like we hope it people go home and go to their local farm shops and spend a bit more money on good sustainable local food wherever they live like it's 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 a lot more than just about us and being a, and a successful business for us. We want well, it to have a wider impact. I mean, that's it. Rewinding right back to the beginning of this chat, right back to the beginning of your journey. You know, what you've done all along, you've shown your story, but you've actually told the story on behalf of other farmers like myself or the wider farming, you know, people who are just not as... Um, out there on social media or whatever Ooh. you're doing it you're being that kind of ambassador that shop window etc and i think you know we all ought to say thank you take our hats off to you for that oh so, you're so well so nice thank <laughs> you and look it's one of the things it's not it's and it's not a role for no. everybody and like there's definitely no, certain it, it, personalities no. that suit doing it and certain personalities that do i think anyone that does want to think about doing it and taking it on board i just that as a stress that like exactly what you say there like you don't just you have rep- to be careful more right? yeah you I mean. don't just represent yourself you represent yeah. your entire industry yeah. so and if you yeah. feck up then everyone does better yeah yeah. yeah yeah and like you yeah. have a responsibility to make sure that you don't make the industry in a bad light um, yeah so and that doesn't do you feel mean that? Sh- do you feel the weight of that on you when you're you know just gonna post this it's like back to you talking about skinning a lamb you know you're mm-hmm. gonna just post this do you feel that sort of weight of what will someone think or you know what will the industry think? Yeah, sometimes it's more about what the industry yeah. will think rather than rather than what will other people. Yeah. I think I'm actually better at judging people who aren't from farming, and sometimes I am the the actual community. Sometimes because you yeah. just never know what rattles cages. Sometimes, no, but 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 also like I, I I can see from kind of an outside. Obviously, I'm a farrier. That's my job. And, yeah. But I've got I help Hannah on the farm, and like I, yep. that's what I do. But like I, it makes me laugh with this social media how. The young generation, my age and Hannah's age, I think they sometimes they feel that Hannah's trying to teach farmers how to farm on this social media, which is totally not what she's wanted to do <laughs> at all. So like, no, no. like you said about the situation and stuff, it's them going, oh, well, she's done that wrong. Done. Everyone's got a different way of doing it. She's just showing her, like you said, to the public what she does on a day-to-day farming. Yeah, but I mean, I, I don't worry too much about it anymore. I don't know. I don't worry about putting the industry in a bad light because I don't really think that we do no. bad things no. to be no. to go in a no. bad light does that yeah. make sense yeah. so everything yeah. we do is um, right. as good as well it is right isn't it yeah, yeah i think i think all our decisions are made with yeah. the right priorities at the top emphasis and, and all the rest of it um, yeah. so yeah i don't really massively worry too much about now do you know every day is a school day yeah. we're all learning you know you exactly can, do you know what see in farming and I, again i'm not trying to 
teach anyone to suck eggs here, but every day is different. So, every and every situation is different. You mm-hmm. know, I've I've got sheep just now on um, stubble turnips, mm-hmm. wintering on stubble turnips, and I never normally do that. They're normally on grass, grass winter. Mm-hmm. This is new because um, I've got an opportunity with an arable farm, and and they've Amazing. got on there. It's a cover crop. Brilliant because we all talk about these opportunities. Great mm-hmm. to have that, but it's a steep learning curve. And yes. I have, have you got an electric fence on the go? Well, <laughs> no. no, do you know what? Again, again, falling on my feet, so lucky in the fact that um, I've actually found a place that's well enough fenced. Awesome. And Amazing. Maybe we should have, but to be fair, maybe maybe we should have then to utilise the crop better. Here uh-huh. we go. We should have stripped, grazed, etc. But the point being, I haven't, I haven't done that, but the point being, I've made, there's been some mistakes um, and yeah. I've actually lost a couple of ewes. I've lost four ewes in mm. the last wee while and I had to get post mortem. Had to, you know, speak to the vet, etc. Yeah. Because it's a learning curve, yeah. and you know, I know, I think I know now what I've done wrong. But yeah. you know what? Next year there'll be something else wrong. It's farming. Well, honestly, that's it, and that is farming. And like we learn from making mistakes. Like last year, we had yeah. a, a like we got to scanning time, and I had all the positive vibes, thinking it was going to go well. <laughs> it went pretty bad. Like yeah. the yeah. one of the tops didn't work properly. We had a bit of compalabacter from that the user picked up from a fodder bee field from yeah. probably a fox or something yeah and again you hit you and you feel like blood yeah like i failed and it's like actually do you know what you're like, not the only one though are you really no, not the, the only one. you're not the only one but also like how many factors are also out of our hands which oh. means it's uncontrollable yeah. and like yeah. you just have to take it on the chin and you can't dwell like i i watched something the other day and it was amazing it said you can be angry at something for like five minutes mm. and then it's a complete waste of time and energy so why bother yeah. it's like shout scream rave rant all you need for five minutes move on walk away go forward yeah you should tell my wife that sometimes <laughs> i just blow up and then it's done yeah, yeah that's, it. Done. that's you know, it especially on the farm especially it's i like think it's a farming to blow thing up and it's done but, <laughs> yeah. but, but it goes back to what you were saying before about if you talk about if you just talk to people about your situation it makes it so much easier in the dealing with what's going on. Like you yeah. said about you, if you didn't open up and you get to yourself and board it in, then that's when you start stressing more and it affects your day to day. Whereas if you open up and talk yeah. to another person, they're going to tell you their story or what happened yeah. two years the, ago. They yeah. lost and then you five years ago. Yeah. You're like, figuring out what I've got to do, open my yeah. mouth and talk to uh, people. Uh, absolutely. And that's actually, yeah, on a, on a kind of more serious note, you know, we do talk about, again, we've covered it on the podcast. Um, the 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 mental health issues etc and you know something like a bad scanning or you know losing yows whatever can be a trigger because yeah. if yeah. you bottle it up if you just talk about it find out others are in the same yeah. situation mm-hmm. find out some answers that you can maybe think potentially I could do that differently or whatever focus yeah. on that rather than beat yourself up yeah yeah and then you just breathe and away you go the next day and you crack on and you're good and you're am more I, am, the wiser for yeah. it. Am I just talking myself into this? Because my scanning's in about two weeks. <laughs> We've got a bit longer for us, but we'll be talking ourselves the same. <laughs> um, guys, what a wonderful chat. It's been great to speak to you. And, and thank you for being so open. And it's nice that we've been um, able to be the platform to give the peer of you the sort of chance to chat about your exciting news about the farm and the baby and what have you. And, you know, I wish you all the luck in the world with it all. Um, and, um, yeah, I think from that point of view, I just want to say thank you for being with us. And um, we'll wrap that up. Oh, Thanks for having well, us. Thank you so much for having us. It's been amazing. Yeah, and, yeah, it's been crack. nice. Nice to do it together and also nice to address so many things as well. So, yeah, thank you so much. It's been great.
brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. It was great to hear from Hannah Jackson and Danny Gallagher. I just think what a lovely, warm couple and with an honest, down-to-earth approach. And, you know, maybe we think about the people with high profiles on social media as being, I don't know, a bit less than down-to-earth in some instances. But, you know, this is a young farming couple. And yes, they've charted the their um, story on social media and been very public about a lot of things but actually you know they just want to farm they just want to get into it and and I wish them all the luck in the world thank you again to Gillespie McAndrew for helping with this episode supporting this episode it's great to have them alongside the team and a reminder on that On Farm is made by our team at Seen and Heard PR and Marketing we're here anytime you want to chat, to discuss, for advice, help with any comms or PR support for your rural or food-based business. Next episode, it will be Anna with you. And Anna is revisiting the subject of equine grass sickness. As you might recall, we spoke with the Princess Royal about the launch of a new equine grass sickness research fund at the Morden Foundation. So next week... We'll get an update from Morden on their efforts to find a cure for the dreadful disease of equine grass sickness. So, that's it from me, and bye for now.